Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, March 1st, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 252, featuring Boston Herald Celtics and NBA writer Steve Bulpett, is brought to you by eHarmony. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just use promo code CELTICSBEAT at checkout. Boy, new week, new show, and what struggles, right? I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks to John Tesh, and welcome into Celtics Beat. Big show on the way with Steve Bullpett from the Herald later on, and we'll also hear from Danny Ainge shortly on Gordon Hayward's progress toward a return. But we got to start with the re-energized and healthy seas. Last time we talked, there was a little bit of doom and gloom, obviously, the three straight losses going into the All-Star break, 9 of 15, all of that, yada, yada, yada. Well, now, four straight wins since the break, and we're going to build on that in just a second. But as I do, got to get this out of the way. Lots of you have been incredibly kind on Twitter, social media, across the board, clamoring for more shows. And that'd be great. I'd love to do it. But we need your help. you got to rate us on iTunes, leave comments there about how much you're enjoying the new show. Not asking you for money, just a little bit of your time. Twitter's nice, but iTunes is even better. That's how we impress the sponsors, do a few more shows. And look, I'm going to keep tweeting away anyway because I love talking to you. But this team... This team has become, not that it wasn't even fun to watch when things were going poorly. I'm not going to up and down this thing like I'm a bandwagon fan or something like that. I'm always paying attention. But, of course, when they're winning and when they are as in sync as they have been offensively, they're more fun. We know that. That's just a no-brainer. Now, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Grizzlies, they're not good teams. Mediocre at best. And the Hornets, they were hot going into that game at the Garden, but also banged up. So, Celts, they've not beaten the elite of the elite. But who cares, right? Who cares? They're winning. Kyrie Irving, talk to me a little bit about that. What has been the secret to this turnaround? Just become more consistent on um, just from our effort of starting out the games and being able to play you know, just a comfortable game style, um, you know, without necessarily trying to come back from 15 down or, or 12 down. And it's just a, it's a difference in the game when you when you have control and you understand that. You can hear Celtics postgame sound on the CLNS YouTube page. I'd encourage you to do so. You can subscribe to get plenty of sound sent your way constantly, such as, of course, comments like that from Kyrie Irving. And just to build on what he's talking about, it's so many different things that are going well for this team right now. Now, Irving has been flat-out lights out since the game before the break. People keep talking about his numbers since the break, I guess because it brings the the minutes average a little bit lower, but go back to the game just before the break as well, all right? The last five games, what he has been up to at this point, he is averaging 28 points, 
five rebounds, six and a half assists, about 30 minutes per. He's shooting, though, 57% overall. Same thing from three-point range. He has gone over 33 times, just sets the tone, gets other guys involved. You know it from the assist numbers. And as important as, as really anything else, when you really think about it, the offense is not floundering without him. How much during the first half or three quarters of the season, as it were, before the All-Star break, were we talking about how, boy, Kyrie Irving goes to the bench, the offense falls apart. That has not been the case, all right? Marcus Smart is healthy. That's a big part of things. He's his usual bulldog self, has been the last four. Even the other night, diving for a loose ball in a 20-whatever point game, he's smart. He does what he does, right? He's a playmaker on offense, though. It's not just defense. He's so good on both ends of the floor with regard to, no, he's he's not shooting great on the season or a career great shooter, though, to give him credit in the small sample size that it is, he is shooting 54% in the four games since his return, but he is a guy who has become a reliable backup point guard. You can even put him on the floor with Kyrie Irving, or you can put him out there with Terry Rozier. No, you're going to get some lockdown defense, but it's the edge, it's the toughness, the energy the winning plays, the identity. It is all contagious. We've spent so much time the last couple of weeks with Chris Mannix, with Sean Grandy, just talking about Smart and his value and his future in Boston. I firmly believe Danny Ainge is going to pay him. No, not whatever it takes, but the call it 10 to $14 million a year that he gets with his next contract, I believe he's going to be here. And I believe it's going to be a deal that everyone's going to be happy with because people who have been maybe a little slow to the party are starting to realize just how valuable he is. And then an extension of SMART because SMART is a part of this group, the bench production in general. Going back to what I said about the offense not falling off without Kyrie Irving. The bench production, okay, it's the lifeline of this team. I have been saying it all year long. This is not rocket science. I think this is actually a very common, rational thought when you actually stop and think about how this team is successful. It's not going to, it can't just be carried by Kyrie Irving. You need the bench and members of that bench when healthy, as everybody is, save for Gordon Hayward, and we'll get to him. Everyone is contributing, all right? You had 64 points off the bench against the Pistons, 61 against the Hornets, 52 against the Grizzlies. Guys like Marcus Morris, who has started to find his shot a little bit lately. Terry Rozier, he has just been a revelation. Over his last dozen games, he is averaging 16 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He's shooting 42.5% from the field, 46 plus percent from distance. He's scored double figures in every one of those 12 games, okay? He is, he is just a consistent offensive presence that you know, I, I think at a certain point in time when he had a big game, you, you make a big deal out of it. You'd, you'd celebrate it. But right now, it's reaching a point. Maybe it's the norm. Maybe it's not. I'll ask Steve Bullpett about that. But you can kind of take it for granted a little bit. This is something that he is doing with regularity at this point. And then beyond Rozier, Daniel Tice, when he has been in there, when he's been healthy and did a great job, obviously, filling in for Aaron Baines for a couple of games. Greg Monroe last game stepping up with the 14-point performance. And is that something we can get out of him regularly? Time is going to tell. But the C's bench being a big part of it, they have the second best offensive rating in the league since the break. 119.5 points per 100 possessions. That's second only to the Warriors and by less than a point. They're not turning the ball over either. Second best turnover percentage. So you think about some of the things that earlier in the year really plagued this team. They're not right now. And again, very small sample. When we have this conversation again, the next show, it may be different. The numbers are certainly going to be different, but maybe the success is not nearly the same. I hope that's not the case. I also hope for a turnaround for Al Horford, who is off to 
bit of a slow start offensively since the All-Star break. He's only shooting 30% from the field on seven and a half shots per game. Now, I don't so much care about the shooting percentage because I feel like water finds his level. He's just in a little bit of a rut. That'll figure itself out. But I just, I, I maintain, I've always said this, I want Al Horford taking more shots. I want him at least at 10. And he does a great job of, of getting those secondary assists and, and the ball running through him a lot of the time. I, I don't think it's that he's been bad per se. He's still a plus player. He's just been a little bit passive, allowing other guys to be featured and step up. And that's okay in small stretches. But I think we need to see more of the aggressor Al Horford. We need to see a little bit more of that. And I think you're going to see even another level from this team. Now, flip side of the ball defensively, for all the things we want to say great about Marcus Smart and the identity and and that bulldog mentality and all of that, and they're certainly energized and aggressive, this is where it comes back to sample sizes, right? The the numbers have not totally translated in these first few games since the break. Celtics are 10th in the NBA in defensive rating at 104.3 points per 100 possessions. That's roughly three or four points worse than their season average. So that's something that, again, it's going to improve. You'd like to see it be a little bit better against some of the lesser-than teams in the NBA, but nevertheless is what it is. Now, we're going to get to Steve Bullpen in just a second, but quickly here on Gordon Hayward, because people are flipping out, freaking out over seeing him in uniform and walking on the court just for a team photo earlier in the week, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see and continues to not have a hair out of place, and that's exciting, all right? We want him back, all of us, but let's get the absolute latest. Danny Ainge, early on Thursday, was on 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston, was asked how close Hayward is to traveling because Coach Brad Stevens said, you know, we're not quite there yet. We're at least a couple weeks away. Yeah, I don't see him traveling with the team quite yet. I mean, he's he's going through a real transition in that he's, you know, putting more, more and more weight and trying to get out on the court. He's still not doing live action on the court except for just shooting and ball handling. So he's got a long way to go. Long way to go. Now, that's not surprising that he would say that, and it's not surprising to hear that. You know, people have asked me, what is the significance of traveling? What does that even really mean? I I think it's very valuable when Gordon Hayward is available to travel from the standpoint of being out there with teammates, the bonding, obviously, all of that, but working with coaches, being in meetings, in video sessions, and, and getting himself closer to a point where all of that lifestyle, once again, is the norm and being integrated in in game planning and preparing for opponents. Right now, he's he's on the outside looking in. He's around some of it, I presume, for home games, certainly, but not on the road, not on trips, not part of that. And if he's not doing that and he's not inching closer to practicing with the team, which clearly he's not at least too close to that because he's not traveling. You know, if you're if you're traveling, that means you're getting closer to practicing. As long as he's not traveling, he's not all that close to practicing. So these are some of the different things that you can look at. But Danny Ainge did say he doesn't really think it's going to be all that difficult for Hayward to get himself acclimated if and when he does come back. You know, I don't think for him, it will be as tough as it would be for a lot of guys. I mean, I was so impressed in training camp watching how him and Al and Kyrie were working together. You know, he's just a smart player, versatile player, can do a lot of different things on the court, very well-rounded player. So I think that the acclimation will be for Gordon. The challenges are first, getting healthy. Second, just getting confidence in his ankle. And then third will be becoming acclimated. I think that'll be the least of everything. Will. Did you hear that? Will. Not would. Will. I know. I'm 
I'm I'm reaching. I get it. All right, enough of me. Let's get Steve Bullpet. Does a great job covering the NBA and, of course, the Celtics for the Boston Herald. We'll talk about Hayward in, in just a little bit. But first, Steve, how are you? I'm living the dream. <laughs> Aren't we all? Hey, Celtics limped into the All-Star break. Losses in three straight, 9 of 15. Since then, though, four wins, albeit against some unimpressive teams and a Charlotte club that was a bit banged up. So I guess everyone's asking at this point, who are the real C's? Um, I will find out, we'll begin to find out, uh, after April 11th. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I think the, the way that they haven't so much paid attention to their opposition, you know, obviously they're, they're, they go through their walkthroughs and try to plan on how to deal with their opponent. But, uh, I, I think the way that they've just mainly, um, try to take care of their own business these last few games has been, I, I would have to say, an encouraging sign. Um, they are moving a lot more crisply on offense. And as much as we, you know, you think, well, they should, it should not, have, one end of the floor should not affect the other. It, it, clearly it does, even in the NBA. Uh, and, uh, you know, playing the way they are with the ball has, I think, made them at least more lively on defense as well. Well, maybe it's the offense because obviously you just hit on it, but is there something in particular that's really stood out to you about this winning streak as compared to what we saw going into the All-Star break? No, just a, a better pace or just better better movement of the basketball. There was a lot more standing around, and, and that's even with you know Kyrie, you know, clearly when he's been uh, playing the way he has lately, um, that would alone cure a multitude of sins. But uh, I just think that they're uh, playing with more energy offensively. The ball is moving more. There's, there's much better body movement as well. There, was, it, it, there seemed to be a lot of standing around and, and general ennui uh, before the break. Um, I think they expected to come back. They expected that after the game in London, as the schedule then uh, got some room to breathe, that you know, following that first part of the year, which was ridiculous, that okay, well, all their problems would be over then. But obviously, they weren't. They uh, they still had to um, uh, you know deal with what was coming up next, and I think they didn't handle that stuff well. But um, you know, coming out of the All Star break with at that point 23 games left. You know, there's, you know, the end is in sight, and it's like, I think they got the message that, hey, they had to get their stuff together now um, to get ready for the for the postseason. Well, and to that point, Danny Ainge has continually noted the Celts really don't have a lot of room for errors. So what does this group have to do to continue playing at this level for the last 19 games and into the playoffs? Because like you said, we're going to find out come mid-April who this group really is. Well, same thing we just talked about, uh, you know, the... No matter how good you are, no matter how much talent you have, uh, in the case of the the uh, Pierce Garnett Allen Celtics, mm-hmm. which uh, the team that that had its issues uh, turned into a bunch of stinkers later in its in its run, no matter how good you are, no matter how many of your guys are going to the Hall of Fame, uh, when you come down the, on offense, you still have to set hard picks, you still have to make hard cuts, and if you don't, then you can get hurt by other teams and and. You know, you, you can get caught flat-footed as the other club, you know, takes a turnover and runs the other way with it. 
So I, I think in general it's just, you know, basketball is incredibly simple. You know, <laughs> ball movement, body movement on offense, um, talk, help, and hustle on defense. It's, you know, all these other things are, you know, they, they're any, anything scheme-wise is secondary to those, to those issues. So Marcus Smart is a difference, certainly. He's healthy now. He wasn't before the break. To me, though, he hasn't been the difference. It's it's really the bench play on the whole, even outside of what Kyrie Irving has been doing. Boston is now consistently getting great production from the reserves, but is that sustainable? Yeah, I mean, and I would point out that Marcus Smart is a huge part of that. Oh, it's of just, course. And it's not just, you can't just look at, at the numbers at, uh, at exactly, you know, his points, assists, etc. Um, because if he's if he harasses a guy defensively, uh, it may it may lead to a steal for someone else. Um, it may lead to the uh, the opponents not getting into their offense uh, till a few seconds beyond when they want to, and it could change how they want what they want to run on that possession. So, and I think. I think the combination of Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier uh, extending defense is um, you know, that's that's a huge a huge factor for this team. When they do that, uh, it allow it it makes uh, it makes that second group uh, more energetic, and that's something that definitely translates to the offensive end. Well, I'm glad you brought up Terry Rozier. You wrote about him recently in his emergence, and and he is really enjoying a great dozen-game run right now. He's averaging almost 16 points per during that stretch. Is he hot, or has he found a comfort zone where this can actually be the norm? I think it's more of a comfort zone thing because, I mean, look, I thought Terry Rozier could have played more as a rookie. I definitely thought he could have played more last year, but there was just a numbers thing going on. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, inconsistencies, um, I'm not, you know, you never know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Was it mm-hmm. him being inconsistent that led to his usage being a little inconsistent, or was it, uh, you know, um, was his involvement uh, inconsistencies, were those what, what led to him not playing it maybe as well as he should have earlier on? Uh, but those three games that he started, I think they just lit his confidence. Um, and now I think he comes into the goes out of the floor expecting that he's going to make an impact. And you know, you'd say that intellectually he should have gotten that before. But sometimes you know it, it does take that that uh, that evidence um, for a guy to say, oh yeah, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I can do. And I think maybe his teammates might look for him a little bit more right now. But, um, you know, he's I, – I thought he – from the day he got here, I thought he was a guy that could really help. Uh, he's a, he's a, a real gamer, and, uh, you know, he, he finds his shot, and you know he's going to give you good defense. You know he's going to give you rebounding, at, even at 6'2". So, um, you know – they got that going, and then you know, with Ty- when Tice was with that group, that's another element. Um, Marcus Morris is going to give you—he's going to put the ball up, uh, and if you're cre- if you're creating movement, then his his shots are going to be uh, that much more open. So you know, they've they've got a thing going there, 
And, um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a, a bigger part of things, especially when they get into the postseason and you have your first run with your starters and then you throw that group in and that group extends defense on someone on someone's second team. Um, that can be a big factor. We'll get back to Steve in just a moment. We want to tell you today's show is powered in part by eHarmony. If you're trying online dating, chances are you've run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, random matches that don't even turn into dates. You can't get to know someone by just looking at their picture, and that's why you need the power of eHarmony. eHarmony is unlike any other dating site. They take steps that other dating sites don't in order to find you a match that you are compatible with. eHarmony uses years and years of science, data, psychological research to send you to the right matches. It's it's all very sophisticated, and they have helped over 1 million people find their perfect match. You could be the next, because right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just use my promo code CELTICSPEED at checkout. CLNS's own Jimmy Toscano, he used eHarmony, just wanted to test it out, and you know what? Found success in only a week or two. It is that easy. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that is built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my code CELTICSPEED at checkout. All right, Steve, where was I? How about Greg Monroe? Obviously, a slow start for him, kind of getting comfortable in the system and and with the guys around him and getting his legs under him, all of that. It was a a really kind of quiet first six-game sample for him. But then breakout performance and extended time against the Hornets. Is that an aberration, or is he getting to a point where maybe he can be what the team wanted him to be when he got here? Well, I think it's going to be difficult for Greg Monroe uh, all during his time here because – like last night, they were able to pick on a matchup and get the ball into him against uh, Willie Hernan Gomez. But um, generally, Brad Stevens likes his bigs to be able to step out more. And that's not really what Greg Monroe um, is capable of doing really well. So he's more of a, of, of a straight post-up guy. And... Um, so I think it's going to be what his value will be will be matchup-based. Um, if they get into the postseason and they, you know, the, the bench group comes in and they find a matchup that can be exploited by him, then they'll use him. But I think it's going to be a, a bit of a struggle for him to, to get into the right spots and, and to be, um, you know, what people are used to seeing from Greg Monroe. Let's talk about a few of the starters here. First, Kyrie Irving, who you brought up before, and, and he is on a, just a, a tear right now. He said he'd take his game to another level after the break. Clearly was not lying. But is there a possible trap here? Like with Isaiah Thomas, for instance, when the club seemed to get a little too comfortable letting him just carry the team. Could, could this team potentially fall into that? Yeah, there is that trap. Uh, I would say in, in, um, uh, in the case of Isaiah Thomas, it wasn't so much a trap as it was a necessity. <laughs> he was the option. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't. A, you know, there weren't a lot of other guys that were going to break out. I mean, you know, Avery Bradley could have a night here and there, and and Jay Crowder to some extent. But yeah, he was the guy that you needed to have production from. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that there uh, there can be that, which is again what goes back to the importance of the ball movement, making sure the touches go around. 
you don't want a guy just coming down the court, standing there, and not seeing the basketball, and then uh, eight possessions later, when there's a minute and a half to go in the game, the ball's in his hands, and it's like, you know, what is this round spherical thing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that's something I've got to watch out for. But as long as the ball's moving, um, uh, he's, you know, look, he's a guy. They have, they have the ability to make anything into a two-minute game. And with a guy like Kyrie Irving, they have a guy that can win a two-minute game. So, uh, you know, no matter who they play against uh, in the postseason, they'll at least, they should at least have a puncher's chance if they do their other stuff right. Jalen Brown's been kind of inconsistent since the break. Jason Tatum continues to look like a shell of what we saw earlier this year. Can these guys find consistency again this season, or is this just something you have to take with young players? I, I think. I think Jalen's played pretty well, and I think Jason's played pretty well during the, since the break. I, I think that just their numbers might not appear that way because, you know, they're not get necessarily getting the, the same scoring opportunities. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, I think those guys will be fine. It's just it is hard um, to be able to score like you know score on demand. Um, most of these guys are used, especially in the case of Jason Tatum, he's used to playing with with the basketball. And I, I still contend that the most difficult transition to from college or from wherever to the NBA is going from being a, a saturation scorer where you can have the ball uh, wherever, whenever you want and you're being counted on to produce numbers to getting to the NBA uh, having to be part of a system, knowing you might be the second, third, or even fourth option uh, in in your group, and it's like you, you don't see a shot for th- three or four possessions. Okay, now you have to hit one right now. That may sound a little crazy, but people, I think, get used to uh, shooting more uh, by instinct, and when all of a sudden you've got to be conscious of finding where your shot is, uh, I think you know conscious thought is the enemy of offense. I've always <laughs> thought that uh, you know you, when you're uh, in, unless you're doing something instinctively, uh, unless it's on the computer chip, um, I think you, you you can tend to have issues at times. I mean that's why guys like you know Larry Bird, you know were at the at the Garden an hour and two before firing up shots. It's, he didn't forget how to shoot. Um, you know I talked to. Steph Curry a couple of years ago, and it's an example I use a lot talking to um, people about the work that's required. I had to do a column on Steph on an off day uh, prior to the Celtics playing the Warriors. Uh, the practice, Warriors practice finishes. We talked to a few people. Steph goes out and does some extra shooting. And then I finally talked to him. You know, great discussion. And he's walking around. Hey, by the way, how many shots do you get up after practice? He said 250. These are oh. three-pointers. And it, it's, it's not like he forgot how to shoot on the flight from D.C. to Boston. <laughs> so, you know, he's taking those shots not because he, geez, I, I need to find this shot here. Like, you know, he's not at the golf course trying to work on his chipping. He, he's doing that to make sure that that is on the computer chip. And it's, you know, that shot is there uh, by instinct when, it, when the opportunity arises. Just some muscle memory. It's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, Al Horford now, we, we know he needed the all-star break. He looked worn down. Since 
his play is he's playing the usual great defense that he does. He's been a little passive offensively. I think he struggled with his shot. That's evident. But is this a rut, or are you seeing something different from him lately? Yeah, I've, I've always been on the camp that that, uh, that I think that uh, Al needs to look for his shot more. Mm-hmm. And I think when he did in the in the postseason last year, you saw the, the difference. And I think that does come. But when you look at uh, um, at last night's game, uh, you know, again, a, a second game in a row when he had uh, um, when he had some issues, but he was um, he was uh, looking now. He was a plus twenty seven. Right, took four you know? shots. Um, so uh, you know, it's you can you can look and say, well, what are the stat? What about the stats? But uh, if you're going to judge Al Horford by stats, I, I think you're um, misguided. I think you're missing the point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, the guy is uh, he facilitates. And, you know, let's be honest, too, were, were this hockey, he would have, you know, quite a few more assists. Yeah. Um, and you, you want a guy that facilitates. And, and what he does as well, when you see Kyrie Irving driving to the basket and, uh, you know, uh, and getting, a, you know, getting a, a good look at the rim, part of the credit for that goes to Al Horford because he's he may be out by the free throw line or even a little bit further out his defender has to be out there nearer to him so there's more room for for a a, a guy like Kyrie Irving to get inside to operate well Steve huge test Saturday night in Houston against a club that's won 14 in a row now has the best record in the NBA the Seas tend to play upper echelon teams well though and especially now that they are one of them but what do you expect from this game I expect the Rockets to be very angry. <laughs> um, what happened in Boston, where they they blew that huge lead, twenty yeah. plus points, uh, the way uh, uh, Marcus Smart goaded James Harden into two offensive fouls down the stretch, um, I expect the the Rockets to be uh, to be a, a pissed off group of lads. And um, so, yeah, I you know. The the thing I'm going to be looking at right away is uh, how do the Celtics withstand the first five minutes? Because mm-hmm. you got a feeling that 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 Houston, well, and you know they uh, obviously did, they didn't have Chris Paul last time. Um, you waiting to see what, exactly how you know you know that Houston's going to come out with something. Uh, do the Celtics um, stick to their game? Do they uh, are they able to withstand that first shot? Or and do they throw the punch themselves? You know, so um, you know if, if you if you plan on watching that game, I uh, I would be in front of your TV set early. I uh, I intend not to be hanging around the <laughs> press room. I intend to be in the seat watching um, at the tip off. Well, one guy who will also be watching, unfortunately, is Gordon Hayward, but fans got excited seeing him in uniform for the team photo this week. It was just a photo, but most people, there's that that waiting right now of just some sort of definitive word. Most people do not expect him to play this season. Do you? I, uh, ex- I thought uh, shortly after, well, when I, once we got word on his surgery, I thought then that him coming back this season was a definite possibility. I've seen that injury before. Um, 
And once there was no uh, major ligament damage in that area, then, you know, you look at what the, you know, what the expectation is, what the recovery time is for that injury. And everybody's different, right? And everybody can have uh, different setbacks. He can be trying something someday and, like, have like a semi uh, re-injure it re-injure something in the area <clears throat> but clearly that injury is is uh, of the type that could bring could get him back i thought late march early april um but having said that um you know i think the celtics have handled it correctly by saying he's not expected back they don't want to have people you know wondering day to day uh you know, is he coming? Where is he? Uh, but personally, I've always thought that's a, that it was a strong possibility. Then again, you get into a case where maybe uh, he's his confidence on the injury is what's you know once the healing happens. Uh, the secondary thing is how confident is he with it, and uh, that becomes the issue. And and you never know how that works. So you know, perhaps he's a little bit tentative and perhaps rightly so but i i still thought that uh still think that there's a possibility i'm not thinking it's as strong a possibility as i did a few weeks ago just by seeing the way people are reacting to things uh and you know but then again we don't know exactly how far along he is in his private workouts so that's a really long way to say i, I still think he can come back but i'm not as confident about it as i was recently so I agree with you. I think it would be impossible for the Celtics to have handled this whole thing any better than they have. And still, though, Danny Ainge seems to, I'm not going to say he's frustrated, but he'll make the comment occasionally that, yeah, I don't know why people keep asking. We keep saying he's not expected to return. And I would say people keep asking because there hasn't been that definitive he's not playing this year. So in your conversations, do you believe the organization thinks there's a chance still that he's coming back? Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that was, for, again, from the earliest time, once we realized um, after they went into the ankle and saw what there was and what there wasn't, then, you know, they knew. Um, you know, they, they got the disabled player exception. Um, and But even then, I remember talking to, to people, and they said, yeah, well, you know, just because you fill that slot doesn't mean the guy can't come back. Well, we knew that rule. But, um, you know, I, I think the Celtics looked at it as, um, you know, here's a possibility, but let's make it, let's work with what you have now so that if Gordon Hayward comes back, it is seen as gravy, not a, you know, they're not, Celtics aren't playing as if they're, uh, every time they have a bad game, it's like, yeah, we're, that was a bad game. But as soon as Gordon gets back, things will be different. When people, when even the players have that expectation, I think it can be uh, uh, probably a bad pun in this case, hmm. considering uh, how Gordon had to move around early on. But it can be a crutch. <laughs> uh, Steve, there's there's been a lot of chatter outside of Hayward, as there always is, about big stars possibly moving in the offseason at this point. There's the Anthony Davis, there's Kawhi Leonard, and it's typical speculation. But you're a great reporter. You're well connected across the league. What do you know about those situations? Sucking up will get you everywhere. <laughs> um, look, the Anthony Davis thing is, to me, um, probably the longest shot you'll ever see. 
because not only is he a, a, a great player that that New Orleans that the, the New Orleans wants to keep, but you got to understand that NBA basketball is not a guaranteed thing in New Orleans. Um, you know that that franchise. Um, you know, if if they were not playing well right now, if they did not have an Anthony Davis, if they did not have stars, that would be a club that you would see in rumors about. Well, if they build the arena in Seattle, maybe mm-hmm. that's a club that get that moves there. So, they if they were to trade away a franchise type player like Anthony Davis, that would send an awful message uh, to a fan base that you know maybe isn't as big as they'd like, and they're trying to build. So, um, you know, Anthony Davis's value to the Pelicans. Uh, is far beyond his points and assists and rebounds. So, you know, that one there, uh, it's, it's hard to see. I mean, one of the benefits that the Celtics have is, you know, among their assets is their fan base because they're allowed, they're able to rebuild in whatever manner they see fit knowing that people aren't going to go away. I mean, Mm -hmm. attendance could drop off some. They may not be getting the sellouts, but you're still going to see a a building, you know, nearly full or nearly full. And that allows a team, that allows a club to to, um, make the the difficult moves, uh, maybe take the step back to take the step forward. You know, they're not going to, you know, people aren't going to forget they exist if they trade their best player. You know, if it, I mean, they did. They they traded Pierce Garnett uh, and Garnett, and um, you know, people didn't. Not only didn't uh, you know march on Danny Ainge's home with with um, <laughs> uh, torches and pitchforks. They you know they said, yeah, that's a great move. Um, they have that leeway. A lot of clubs don't. I mean, we we travel to places where playoff teams have trouble drawing. Um, you know, NBA is, is a ridiculously expensive proposition for a fan. Um, so uh, that's, again, a, a ridiculously long answer to your question. But, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't expect uh, Anthony Davis. Other guys, you know, who knows. But I, I do believe the Celtics are at least in position to, um, to uh, you know, they, they've got enough money in their pocket to, you know, get into the store, whether they can afford the purchase price or not, um, I'm not sure. So I'll leave you with that. Obviously, the the Celtics continue to, they have great talent and and have done an amazing job really rebuilding this thing on the fly between Danny Ainge and and under Brad Stevens with now Kyrie Irving here and Al Horford signed and Gordon Hayward signed and some great young talent, more future draft picks coming up. But as Ainge has talked about in the past, if it's a Davis, if it's a Kawhi, if it's a whomever that we're not even thinking about at this point, are they just continuing to stockpile assets with the hopes of one of those other marquee players just, if they spring available, like Kevin Garnett did, they can pounce? I'm not sure exactly. You know, I, I think they stockpile assets for all of the above reasons, um, not just to, to, get, to get in the game on a, on a star player who may be made available. I think it's, it's there because you need to have you need to have good draft picks um, to to replenish a roster, to make a salary structure fit. 
when you've got uh, you know um, the equivalent of three max players now, you know some guys have got to work for less than their than their worth, and so right now you know um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on rookie scale contracts are are bargains. Um, so uh, I think that you, you have to have those, you have to maintain those assets. And I think that's why you saw at the trade deadline this year, you know, as much as maybe Tyreek Evans could have helped, well, I think the Celtics looked at that in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, yeah, you'd like his injection of offense. What's he going to do to you defensively? Whose minutes are he going to be, is he going to be taking? And, Will you be struggling to to make up for what that guy would have done for you? So there was there was that part, but it was also like, you know, Memphis wanted a first round pick. Do you give up a first round pick, even if it's a lower, uh, even if it's the Celtics pick, which figures to be you know a lower rung pick? Do you give that up uh, because that's an asset? Uh, being able to take a chance on a guy late in the first round, maybe an overseas guy, um, maybe you, maybe in that spot you draft the next Daniel Tice, or by that I mean a guy in his early 20s who has perhaps blossomed over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you protect your assets for those reasons. You you have to look at what what the value is. How much is Tyreek Evans going to do for you? What is it going to cost you? And, uh, you know, I think Ainge may have scared himself straight by when when, uh, when Charlotte didn't take all those draft picks for yeah. Justice Winslow a few years ago. Makes you wonder who we'd rather have, too, Justice Winslow or Terry Rozier. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, well, Terry Rozier and the picks. Right. So it's, it's you know, as much as you like Terry Rozier, it's like, well, you know, it's, it ain't just him. It's... Uh, uh, what else it would have cost you? Yeah, theoretically, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and so on. If only we had the Lakers pick to look forward to, but I don't think that one's going to convey. Well, you know. Um, Never know. I mean, ping pong yeah, balls bounce. Yeah, lottery but, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So I guess we'll get to you know, watch the lottery with interest again. Steve Bullpett of the Boston Herald again does a great job, and I'm not just sucking up, I mean it. Steve, thank you very much. <laughs> all right, take care. Great stuff from Steve. We covered a lot. Let's do just a little bit more. Let's get to some of your Twitter questions. We'll uh, take a few. You guys were good submitting a bunch. At Adam M. Kaufman is where you can find me from Hunter. If the seeds stay the same by playoff time as they are right now, do you see the Celtics getting past the Cavaliers in the second round? To be honest, it's such an up-and-down question, right? If you had submitted that exact same question to me week, week and a half ago, I would have said no. Well, the way the Celtics are playing right now and the way the Cavaliers are playing right now here in this moment, I would say yes. You know what I mean? So it's there's a lot still to be determined in terms of whether the Celtics can do what they're doing consistently. We don't know if Gordon Hayward is going to come back and could be impactful, but even removing that, can the rest of the bench unit do what it's doing on a regular basis? Can Greg Monroe become a real offensive threat? Is Terry Rozier going to keep doing what he's doing? Can Marcus Smart and others, can can these guys stay healthy? What are the Cavs going to look like when they get another all-star back in Kevin Love? So, you know, my feeling in this moment about the way things stand right now is, yeah, I believe in a competitive hard-fought series, they can get past the Cavs. But I think there's just, even with only ballpark 20 games left in the year for these teams, it's such an unknown at this moment. 
Strews15 asks, you think Stevens is going to go out with a 9-10 to 10 man rotation from here on out? I really like the lineup of Smart, Rozier, Morris, Tice, and Shemi. Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, game script, right? I mean, it, every game is, is managed a little bit differently based on the way that ultimately things shake out. You know, Brad Stevens wouldn't have necessarily planned for Kyrie Irving to see as few minutes as he has in a couple of these games recently, or, or the starters in general not having to play fourth quarters, that type of thing. But going forward and into the playoffs, you want to be as rested and healthy as possible, as mentally rested, not just physically. And I think that Stevens, he's going to continue to use his guys. This is how he coaches. I don't have a problem with that. I'm cool with long rotations. If you want to have 10 guys out there uh, all seeing decent enough minutes, and that, that's not 10 guys all playing at least 15 minutes a night necessarily, but there are going to be some games where you're going to see Titan rotations because they're close and you got to get the top players out there, and, and yeah, it may, by the end of the game, technically 11 guys will have played, but really only 8 played considerable minutes. You're going to see some of those, and you're going to see some like you did against Charlotte, where minutes are, are really spread out. just depends on how the game goes, but I don't see Stevens changing his approach at all. One more from John here on uh, Anthony Davis. Clearly talked to Steve about that a little while ago, but pipe dream or possible reality? Nobody thought we'd have Kyrie at this point last year, so what do you think? I think it's a pipe dream. I really do. I know a lot of people seem to believe the Anthony Davis thing is realistic. I I just don't see the Celtics being willing to pay what it is that the Pelicans ultimately would command, for one. And for a lot of the reasons that Steve mentioned, I don't think he's even remotely close to being dealt. Doesn't mean he won't be ever. I'm not saying he's going to be a a lifer there with New Orleans. I don't believe that. But I don't think he's getting moved. I didn't think he was going to get moved this year. We're now past the trade deadline. I don't think he's going to get moved this offseason either. I really don't. Because look at what he's done recently. It's just a reminder. Not like they didn't know the organization. But it's a reminder of just what a top-tier talent he is. All right, continue to hit me up on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. Love to talk with you, and we'll do it there. We'll do it here on this show. But it's time for us to go. I think we've been running a little bit long. So episode 252, again, it is brought to you by eHarmony. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just use my promo code CELTICSBEAT at checkout. Thanks again to the Boston Herald, Steve Bullpett. Thanks as well, as always, to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, and everyone else at CLNS Media. We want your feedback. We want five-star ratings on iTunes. And most importantly, rate the show. Just give it some feedback. Give us some comments. Let us know how you feel like the thing is going, because if you want more shows, and I want more shows, we got to present the right people with that. So get in, get involved, and let's just keep doing what we're doing and have ourselves a good time. Like listening to Gino, like we just got to at the Garden for the first time in about four months. Talk to you next time.